Good morning. What a privilege it is to be at Green Bay Community Church. It's about my 12th time attending. I live just on the other side of the river, and I am a professional fundraiser. That's a noble calling. One I never thought I'd be in, but let me explain a little bit more. See, it's not really about money at all, and I'm not even going to talk about money. I'm going to talk about what happened when I came here. But I realized talking about what happened to me when I came here has to start with the beginning and how coincidental that we have two scouts in the front here because my first foray into fundraising was selling light bulbs and pencils to people who needed them and I got some rewards for that. It was a transaction. There was nothing relational about it. It had nothing to do with what we value. In fact, my daughter, when she was young, she said, this is my dad. He takes money from people, and he won't even buy me a TV for my room. <laughs> she was right. No TV in her room. The essence of what we're called to do has to do with what we value. So now I describe to people what I do is I help people express what they value through giving. It sounds a little bit better. But you might still be asking yourself, how is it that I found myself here? Well, I got to know one of your elders, Damien LaCroix. And Damien says, you got to come over to Green Bay Community Church. We're going to start this thing, and we think we might need someone like you to help us. And we've got this great pastor, Troy Murphy. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, mm -hmm. that's every elder telling about every church I've ever worked in that they've got the greatest pastor. Well, then I met Troy, and he is pretty good. <laughs> but then I also met Emily and John and Kristen and Doug, and everyone I met, I could tell that I was in some place special, some place where I haven't ever been before. You weren't just another client. You were some, something that was happening here was transforming me while I was here. I saw a bumper sticker a number of years ago. It said, don't believe everything you think. And that challenged me coming here because I thought I knew what you all needed. You needed my expertise to help set out some objectives, to put together a campaign plan. And all along the way, I would leave this place and leave relationships with you and think, there's something going on in me. You all heard that phrase that if you find something you love to do, you never work another day in your life. And while I am still working, when I leave here, I feel like I've been graced with joy and bewilderment in some ways that how can a church body feel so committed to something to go out and set out to make disciples of the people who live in this area? But it's real. It's transforming me. And as you hear more today about what are those doors that could open up for us and for this community, I encourage you to think about not the fundraising part, but what is the value, what is the value that we're trying to help people express, not in our own hearts, but in the hearts of people who don't yet know Jesus. I can tell you, my crew friends, that that daughter who said to me that I wouldn't buy her a TV for her room is now very embedded in her own crew group and her, where she goes to school. And I can tell you, young people, you can have a transformative difference on your parents, just like my daughter had on me. Because while I was learning about your faith journey here, my daughter was a visual sign of what it means to grow in love with Christ. So young people, keep that up, because it helps old people like me. So today, 
and over the next 42 days, as we pray about what this all means for opening doors, figure out how it means, what it means to you to not raise money from people or give money, but transform lives. And like that bumper sticker said, bumper sticker said, don't believe everything you think, think everything you believe, and God will work wonders. Let's pray. Dear God, Heavenly Father, at this time of transition and transformation for Green Bay Community Church, let us also be mindful that that transition and transformation is happening within us. Let us be mindful that in our transformation, we also can restore relationships of people who have lost hope, because when there is hope in the future, there is power in the presence. And dear God, we know we can't do this on our own. We need your blessing. We need your grace. We need understanding and wisdom and vision. But we learned one thing. Through your Son, all things are possible, and we are blessed to be part of this great mystery. In Jesus Christ, your Son, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's thank Michael for, for sharing. Uh, I love uh, when we get together on Sunday. There's just so much energy and meeting new people. It's just a blessing, isn't it? To gather together and, and to have that place that we can be reminded of what this is really all about. Uh, it, was, it was really fun yesterday to meet with leaders. And I invite you, anytime there's a launch or relaunch, it's just really an invitation Whoever's going to say, I'm all in, and no matter how much you feel like you are a leader or not, it's really putting your hand in the middle. And so you see pictures in the lobby. Those are pictures, those were selfies of people that actually reluctantly took them. Many of didn't want to take selfies. They were actually bitter about taking the selfies. That was, that was their confession. But man, it was a way to say, I'm in. And what a blessing that day was. The other thing, I don't know if you know, but we should be uh, I don't know how we pray about this, but be thinking about it. Bobby got an email uh, for a private audition for The Voice on February 24th. Yes. So, um, now here's my plan. I want him to win it so that we're his agents and that we get to decide, right? That, that's what I want to have happen. So. If we could be praying that way and, and voting for him, and I don't know how that thing works, but anyway. I, it's a blessing to be a part uh, of what God's doing. And this morning, I want to talk to you about doors of opportunity. And I want you to be reminded that the doors of opportunity have been opened up for the church of Jesus Christ ever since Jesus came to this earth, lived, died, resurrected again, and launched a new campaign. You know, that campaign changed because in the Old Testament, God had the Israelites build a temple, and there was a place that, that the, the people would go to to see God, but Jesus comes and changes everything. And what he says is the new strategy is no longer is it about cathedrals and temples, it's about you, and even says, you're the temple. You are that cathedral that God will put that holiness in that that as we sang that righteousness inside and it would be like figuratively thinking in this inside of your life when Jesus comes in there's this beautiful stained glass and beautiful place inside of you you become the temple but then God does something with crazy Christians as we heard right when Christians get together for centuries God has them huddling together whether in persecution whether uh, 
in the midst of persecution from uh, radical Muslims. You won't believe the crazy Christians that are growing in numbers in the midst of that place. In communism, all of these crazy Christians over centuries have had doors of opportunity that they walk through, that God opens for them. And crazy things happen. We could go back to our Bibles and say where God parts Red Seas, where God changes, he, he raises the dead. And friends, that God that we read about and that you just sang to is the same God that this morning we sit and pray to, that we sing to. It's the same one. And so as he tore down walls and defeated nations and fed and healed and blessed, he promises that to us. And so doors have been open, opening, opening, opening for the church for centuries. I mean, you can look at all these different movements. You can look at different cities and find that, you know, over centuries, the church has started a lot of the hospital systems and, and care. They taught the Romans how to feed their own poor and take care of the sick. They, they've started education. Much of our educational system comes out of the church. The church. That's you and I. And God moved away from a place, a building, a cathedral. And he said, I'm going to begin to open doors for these crazy Christians to begin to gather together and watch me do something. Because see, the door is not something that we open. It's never been a door that we're to kick down and become bully Christians. No, it's the balance of truth and grace. We're to, we're to begin to enter into community as God opens up doors for us. There's many verses about this. There's, there's the church in, uh, there we go. I'm not on. Can you guys do that for me? Like a technically challenged, sorry. We, do we freeze? <laughs> What's that? That's frozen. frozen. Well, we'll reboot it. There's a church in Philadelphia. Oh, there we go. Look at that. You guys are awesome. Revelation chapter 3 says, these are the words of him. It's a letter to the church in Philadelphia. It says, who holds the key of David? What he who opens, no one can shut. And what he who shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. He's talking to the church, these people that gather. I have placed before you an open door. What's he talking about? About doors of opportunity that God seems to open up for the church. And it's not over. Until Jesus returns, he's continually opening up these doors for the church. Colossians 4, it's a passage that we use as elders at our church. For the last three years, we've been in this, this journey about embracing this passage that Paul's talking about another church, a church in, in the city of Colossae, and it says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. It's, it's keeping alert for an open door. It says, pray for us too that God may open a door for our message that we might speak this mystery of Christ. I love that. It's not coming with all the answers because I don't have them all. I don't have all the theology and all the right things to talk about God because I'm pursuing him and I'm broken and I'm trying to learn more about him and I struggle in my sin. And as we, we heard even last week when Bobby talked about, it's just it's that struggle of the Christian faith, but I'm going to speak about that mystery because he's changed me. He's in me. He's created a cathedral in my soul, and I'm that temple that now walks into culture, right? I'm not just to absorb culture and let it change me. I'm not to 
to guard myself from culture because it's so bad. No, the Bible's clear. We're to move into the world. John 17, Jesus' prayer says, I'm leaving them here, that's you and I, that they might, I'm going to paraphrase, infiltrate the world and change culture. They might change the world. It says, proclaim, pray that I proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, making the most of every, every opportunity. We have opportunities all around us. Galatians 6.10 says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Let us do good to people that are even persecuting others. Let us do good to all people, even people that aren't behaving correctly in our city. Let us do good to all people. And then it says, especially those crazy Christians. We get to gather and to connect and really love on each other. And, and the scripture says that the world will know you're different than a religion when they see how you treat others. This is so big for the church. And we can get caught up in so much of our, of our liturgy and, and so much of, is this the right thing to do? And are, are we saying it right? And we could start to really, I think, grow, lull ourselves to sleep in religion. When the Bible is filled with God calling us to a relationship that has doors of opportunity that are opening, they're opening. This Arabian proverb says it this way, for things that don't come back, things that do, just you don't get back, the sped arrow, an arrow that's shot out of a bow, the spoken word, you don't get that back, you've said it. Time passed, we don't get time back. And look at this, the neglected opportunity. I, I want you to think about, a little bit this morning, about missed opportunities. You see, opportunities that you're not aware or don't see that you missed aren't a big deal, right? It's when we, we can taste it and we can see how close we were. It's like three minutes away from moving on to the, the pinnacle of your season to find it's gone. You can see it. Maybe worse, one yard away, 20 seconds away. I mean, for me, watching that unfold was a very powerful moment because not only for just as a fan and, and that, but you just recognize the agony of seeing a missed opportunity. It's with that that God in my, my reading, sometimes I don't plan on necessarily in my reading that I'm going to teach, but this teaching in Luke 16 got me. It, it was like a laser beam to my soul, and I'm going to show you why, because Jesus is going to tell a story. Now, there's debate about this. Is it a parable to describe some things that are true, or is it a story that really happened? We don't know that, but Jesus tells it for purpose. There's reason, and it gives us some insight of possibility about missed opportunities. Luke 16, Jesus says, there's a rich man who was dressed in, uh, in purple and in fine linen and lived in luxury every day. So we got this one picture of a person that, that has everything. Now, this morning is not about wealth and how that's evil because the Bible never talks about wealth as being evil. 
But what we do know, right, it's true no matter where you're at with God, when we have a lot, you don't really trust in anything else. It's easy to remove trust when we have no want. Does that make sense? Jesus then says, but at his gate was another person, and it's this man named Lazarus who's covered with sores and longing to eat whatever fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. Two very different pictures. In this one picture, here's Lazarus. I mean, if we were to drive home today and you were to see someone laying down begging and a dog was licking their sores, you, that would be a very drastic picture, wouldn't it? I mean, even for Green Bay, we would just be, whoa, that is the bottom. That, that is the, the worst of the worst place you could probably be in full want. So Jesus tells the story of, of two different people. He moves on and says in verse 22, the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. So Lazarus dies and he's, he's in heaven. But then the rich man also dies and he was buried. Now, we find that they end up in two places, one in heaven and it says in verse 23, in Hades, where he was tormented, this rich man, he looks up and sees Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. Hmm. Now, I can't tell you exactly what heaven and hell will be like, but here is what really hit me. He can see heaven. I mean, it's like one yard away, seeing the end, seeing it. It's this, that opportunity, and you wonder... What might this rich man be thinking as he's looking in this place of torment, seeing what he's missed? He looks up and sees Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. That had to be painful. As a missed opportunity in a life, as a wasted life, going, oh, I missed it. So he calls out to Father Abraham. Now, this is an interesting part of the story that Jesus is telling. I don't quite know why. He calls out, he's actually talking to Abraham and the beggar who's in heaven. Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue. I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham replies, he's talking back to him. Two different realities, hell and heaven. Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things while Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides... Watch this. Between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those in heaven who want to go from here to you cannot. Now, here's this other stop moment. I said, what? If I'm in heaven, why would I ever want to cross over to Hades. Why would I ever want to be there? And it hit me. Ah. Because Cody, my 17-year-old half-brother, died when, in a drunk accident, and I don't know if I seized an opportunity, and if I could go over and get him, I would. I thought, wow! I don't know what heaven's going to be like, and I don't, I don't think we're going to 
it's going to be a place of, it won't be a place of guilt and shame, but I do have this reality of saying, why is Jesus saying this? And can I see opportunities missed? I mean, even if you can't visually see, won't we know? I think there'll be a videotape in heaven for us to go back and go, wow, that person I used to get gas from for five years, they're gone. I missed it. That family member, that friend, that neighbor. And we were talking at the end of the last service that I thought, wow, some of the reasons, I think I'm going to sit in heaven going, ugh. I was afraid, or I was, I was busy with stupid stuff, or I didn't care. So not only is there this chasm so that we don't go from here to there, but it says, nor can anyone cross, obviously, from over there, Hades, back to heaven. Makes sense. Again, I don't know what heaven and hell is going to be like. I really don't. I know there's separation from God. But I don't know where that sits with you, but that, that hits heavy with me about opportunity. The story finishes up and he answers in, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family. Send someone. For I have five brothers. Warm them. Tell them. Speak the mystery of Jesus and what he's about. Tell them. Abraham replies, they have Moses. They've already had enough people telling them. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they'll repent. And he said, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they're not going to listen. They're not going to be convinced. I want to make four observations about this reality just, just quickly. Because I think it sheds some lights about uh, light on a little bit of where our heartbeats are. We are as a church culture, and where God's taken us for 47, 48 years as a church, about the passion we have to reach people for Jesus and to go through those doors of opportunity and seize them. First, knowing or seeing a missed opportunity is painful. Whether it's one yard away, three minutes away, or right next door to your house, wherever it is, missed opportunities that we know we missed an opportunity are painful. They're hard, aren't they? We will see missed opportunities in heaven and hell, and I don't quite understand that. I don't fully know why Jesus tells this story, but I'm getting some description of the reality that I might reflect on opportunities missed. Third, we are responsible to see and take opportunities given. But the fourth, we're not responsible for the result of an opportunity. I mean, this is comforting on some level that I'm really then, as Paul said, I'm to watch and be aware of opportunities, of doors opening to seize the opportunity, right? The door of opportunity. I'm just, I'm just to walk through it. I don't have the responsibility in a way to make it all work. As, as Jesus even said in here, even if I speak it and they don't listen, that's not my responsibility. I'm not shunning them. I'm just, I'm trying to do the best I can to speak the passion I have for Jesus. That's freeing. I, I, I think that's comforting on some level. We took the opportunity, but the result's not up to us. Yesterday we had 
a great chance as, as leaders, 300 of us. And I got to share about missed opportunities. I got to talk about, not missed opportunities, but opportunities that were taken. And I said quickly, one I remember, Mark Otto, Mark Otto, 2,000 miles away, sometime in the 80s where mullets were cool, and uh, Mark Otto, who doesn't know Jesus, in Fellowship Hall at Calvary Bible Church, I can put a red X and tape it and put it down on the floor and tell you right where he stood up and proclaim the name of Jesus Christ in his life. Ah, yes. Someone said, we have iConnect here. We have this after-school program here every week, and they read books, and there wasn't a book available, and the, and the girl said, could, could I read that book? And it was a Bible. And someone shared an opportunity taken, and an X is somewhere in there. They started, we started putting Xs around our building. Because there's someone who put it in the kitchen and saying, I had a great conversation that someone seized in my life, and I walked through that door of opportunity, and there was something that happened. There are X's all over this building. They're in offices. They're in the children's wing. There are a ton on stage for baptism. What are they? They're people that saw that opportunity and took it. Whether it was in their own life or for someone else, but they saw that. And friends, that is what the call of being a Christ follower is. It is to see the door open and to walk through it. God said, let me be in charge of making it all work. He says to the Israelites, just leave. Just leave Egypt. You're slaves. Camp here at the Red Sea. It's a total God setup. They're trapped. They have no army. They have no weapons. Here come the Egyptians. And God says, perfect. Now, now you know the door's opening, but it's all on me. And what does he do? He parts the Red Sea. God's story after story after story, even till today, he has been opening doors of opportunity for the church to make sure that we recognize it's not us, it's me. I just want you to walk through those doors. There's X's all over that are stories of people, and we got to share some of those stories of, of people with family members praying a conversation. Uh, you could look around. As you're going to walk to communion, if you're going to go to pick up your kids today, please do pick up your kids today, by the way. <laughs> those are moments where an opportunity was taken. So Jesus says to the church, his command... Therefore, go make disciples of all nations. We've heard this great commission. And what I think in the church we've done today is we like to really land on the make disciples. And we, we actually then reduce it down to one word. Let's disciple people. You know why I think we do that? Because I think it's easier just to say, let's gather as crazy Christians, but let's take crazy off. And let's just be Christian. And let's just work with one another. Because that's comfortable. And you know, you look at the verse and it says, go make them. Go make a disciple. What does that mean? It means you have to get out of your chair. You have to be on your knees praying, God, show me the door that opens. And that means you have to actually share your faith with somebody that doesn't know Jesus. You see, God in the Bible didn't write, hey, churches are going to grow because people are not going to like their other churches and they're going to move over to your church 
And the idea is to have a really good church so that everybody leaves theirs to come to yours, right? No, that's, that's never. He said, I want, I want you to grow. The whole idea of going and making disciples means grow. At Community Church, at Green Bay Community Church, for 48 years, it has been the heartbeat at the start of this church to grow others in the knowledge and the understanding of who Jesus Christ is. And we continue that call today. We've been running through doors that God opens. It started 48 years ago in a basement where people said, we're going to start a church because there isn't a non-denominational church in Green Bay. We're going to start one. And that group finally said, it's time to buy a building. Could you imagine just enough people to fill your basement and going, we're going to buy a building? <gasps> what? They bought the schoolhouse off of GV&O. That group then finally had another door open and said, you know what, it's time. It's time for us. There's a door opening and we're going to move over to Our Lady of Charity and we're going to rent for a while because we're saving some money and we're selling our facility because we're seeing the call to grow. And they moved. That group eventually probably got tired of all the, the pipes. I think Joe talks about flushing toilets and all that stuff. And, but it said, there's another door opening. We're going to build our first building right off here, all Old Chano. You, some of you remember that. The days of, oh, we're what? Why? You see, in us as Christians, I think it's hard because I think we fight these doors sometimes. I think we, we like to know what's behind door one, God. I know it's open, but I don't really see it, and we'd like to figure it out before we go through because God would surely not put you into a place that we don't have all full understanding and picture of, right? I'm sorry, I, I can't find that in the Bible. I find most cases it's, I don't know about this one. It's 12 spies being sent in to the promised land, right? 10 come back and going, nope. We're like, we're like promised land planners, and, you know, strategists, this is not a good idea. Only two come back and say, yep, there's giants, but God can do it. We're called to grow. That group in Old Shano said, and I, and I don't know if it was, how it got instigated, but that elder group and that, that said, it's, we're going to build another building and a bigger one. What? You guys are crazy. The church is not about buildings. Absolutely, it's not. But God gives facilities, and he's given things to churches throughout the centuries and says, I'm giving this to you. How are you going to steward it? And so community church moves here, and it grew. It is with this heartbeat that really over two years ago, we began to ask some questions right about the time that a family walks in and writes nearly a million dollar check to pay off our mortgage and we're debt free. I mean, that was probably three years ago and, and we, we celebrated that, right? Are you excited about that? We're debt free. We're debt free as a church. Yeah. That's big. That's not me. That's a door that someone faithfully walked through and said, I'm going to do this. And we started to ask our questions then. Okay, God, you've given us 32 acres, 107,000 square foot facility. Friends, I, I rub shoulders with a lot of big churches around the country. 
we, we probably have one of the largest facilities in, in church culture. We have a large facility. We have a large piece of property. Especially for our size, we, we have a lot. And so too much is given, much is expected, and we've been asking ourselves, all right, if, if we were to shut our doors tomorrow, who protests and why? Who in the, in the community? We know us crazy Christians would complain, right? Where's my 10 o'clock service? You know, all those things that we might... But who... Would the people that needed food in the city say, you can't shut community church down? Because they've helped me out so many times with food, with rent. Would a school district say something like, you know, they provide enough literacy help and they do enough for us. We, we can't have them shut down. We, we depend on them. Who, who would protest in our town? That's what we started to ask ourselves the question. With that, we came up with the, the, the concept of really a ripple campaign, and we've done studies for over two years. We have from our elder board wrestling through. Those weren't easy meetings for me or them. Because this is one of those doors that doesn't, it, it doesn't have it all figured out. But for two years, then we did studies. We studies with our neighbors. We did studies with businesses, nonprofits. What's in, in the city? What's the need? There's been a lot of prayer, a lot of time, a lot of energy around what should we do? Because really, God won't give us any credit in heaven for having a nice cathedral or a facility. You get that? He's going to ask us, what did you do with what I gave you? And we have a desire to see, how does every square foot of this facility honor his name? And it won't because it's clean carpet. It's going to be because it's reaching people for Jesus. So with that, we had three values, three basic values. First, missionally, we wanted to make sure that we were answering the call to our mission with our facility. We want to make disciples. That means we want to share to people who don't know about Jesus. And we want to grow deeper those who already do. It's our mission. It's what we're about. But we want to make sure that we're doing the Jesus way, and that was Jesus often met needs of people. And so how do we do that missionally? And so a few of the things. First, we said we have been uh, really moving our, our first, fruits bud, first, first fruits budget uh, up to 10%. That means when you give, 10% of that goes to our Go area that sponsors and gets around ministries and people around our city. From food, from poverty, to uh, literacy training, to church equipping and networking to help other churches grow. We knew that our children's ministry has been flourishing here, but it's out of space in a lot of areas, and we wanted to do a better job with that. Nonprofit offices, we, we found more and more in cities there's enough money being given and enough good ideas. Number one problems in cities, why they're not solving these problems, is they're not working together. A great answer to that is office together. We're already starting to office, having other people in our offices, cutting their overhead costs. We love it. Satellite Bible classes, We've just gotten approved to Wisnet. Wisnet is the, the educational system internet feed, which means our capabilities will increase dramatically. We said, would that be cool to be able to provide an evangelical Bible course here online? 
you could come here and learn Old Testament. Because right now, to go to a major Bible university, you have to go to Bethel, you have to go to Wheaton, Trinity, Moody, North Park. You'd have to go somewhere that is quite a drive. We said, gosh, we could begin to hold, hold classes. It would be great. Employment coaching. Food pantry. We've been working with food pantries around the city. Ocanto, we've been working with one downtown, but also the Giving Tree. And we said, you know, we just sense we should be building our care center. We do enough benevolence and enough work at giving food and groceries and help to people. We would like to make this a place where people go. Not only where they grow, but where people go to get help. We want to work with our front property. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Meal training, we're realizing as we give food away to some of those families, we want to create a kitchen that we can train families how to prepare meals. We want to increase our adult ministries. This was just some of what it was missionally, functionally. Our goal is to rethink how we are to finish our facility. Our facility, friends, has never been finished. We didn't build the 2,000-seat the auditorium. And so we said we need to figure out how to Rethink our function. What are our new needs? Our children's ministry space is out of room. We're, we're going to rethink some stuff with maintenance. Our roof needs uh, work. It's about a million dollars to repair our roof. We have some heating issues. We, uh, we don't have fire sprinklers. We didn't break the law, by the way, on that one. We had a loophole, and we now probably need to do it. There's a lot of little things that aren't little when you talk about money. And we just said, you know what, we need to wrap that together and rethink how we reshape what we're doing in our campus. Here's a few of those things. Service growth. We're growing. I don't know if you noticed, but it's hard to find a seat uh, in this service, right? I want you to know there's a very spiritual group that meets at 815 that many of you could go to. I just want you to know, if you're, when you grow in your spiritual faith, mornings become very holy, right? And then you, you start to arrive at 815. I'm joking. We need to figure that out. And we just said we don't want to just build the bigger room and be in debt. I could tell you of three churches I know right now in the area. 16 million they're playing on a mortgage, uh, 1.3 million, and another 6 million. We don't want to do that. Video flexibility, turning on rooms wherever that uh, we need to, to pump the event or whatever, doing event flexibility, children's ministry space. Uh, we're trying to do a lot of that. Uh, children's uh, training spaces, versatile kitchen. Uh, efficient maintenance, disability. You know, we just realized the disability issue, uh, you could be at code, but you're still not friendly. And we know that many people struggle with disability, and we want to make sure that we help those people. Rental spaces for income. Right now, a ton goes on here. We have, uh, we packed, what, half a million meals in this room. There was the, the hygiene drive that happened in this room. We have Red Cross that happens in this once a month. We have AP testing. We have Special Olympics basketball practice once a week. We have iConnect that happens throughout the week. I mean, friends, from taxes to voting, there is so much that happens in this space. We said we want to become more efficient and effective. Last, we want to embrace the communal value. If you've noticed, you come here and you don't, it's not really like built to hang around for a while, right? because there's not a lot of couches, there's just not a hang space. We said we want to rethink our facility that it can become a place for you to choose to go. To grow and just to be or bring a friend and hang out for a while, because there's not a lot of places in Green Bay to do that. And so we looked at um, a bunch of options, and here's a couple of them. Uh, there we go, whoa. Am I freezing up again? 
a couple of those. just say yes if that, if it's, is it frozen? No? There we go. Small group spaces, we'd love, the reality is many of you are not having small groups in your home. It's one of two things, either you have a dirty house or you don't want to dirty your house. So I, I'm not sure which one of those two it is, but we're not, we just said, gosh, what if we just create a lot of space here to, to have your small group? to connect with people. We want to build a field house. What we're recognizing, one of the big needs is there's a thousand kids alone in the Howard Swamico Soccer League. Fall and spring become challenging times. Howard Swamico School District, we've had soccer practice in this room and we get nervous because <laughs> there's a lot of money in the ceiling. And we just said, we love that we're using it that way, but how do we do that? We see a way for us to leverage that and be a great blessing to our city. That not just Howard Swamico, but Green Bay and many be able to use that and it could probably pay for itself pretty easily. We see food services, a place to come and get a meal. Uh, Dog park, believe it or not, that is one of the number one meeting places um, in our country. Dogs are walked through our parking lot all the time. Now, there is a cat park off of Lineville. I just, has anybody used that yet? Because I don't know if that's real. Because cats don't get along. Yeah, I, cat park. We're not doing that. Conference space for target practice. Oh, that was terrible. That was terrible. Yeah, that was bad. I woke you up, though. That's good. Um, outdoor patios. We do want a coffee house. We just said we've had enough friends and churches that are modeling great coffee places that become. Uh, a destination for people. Mark Batterson alone, they do $1.3 million in Capitol Hill. They're the number one coffee shop in Capitol Hill. All of that goes to missions. Are you kidding me? I'm in. If we can have a place that's going to be a place for people to hang and it's going to create, generate income that we can begin to do more missionally around our city, uh, I'm in. Uh, concert venue, city and village events, and we've just been excited because we want to do this debt-free. Yeah. So what does that mean? Uh, that means whatever God brings, that's what happens. So somebody's been asking me, have you been sleeping okay? And you can ask my wife, I sleep fine. Because I've not put my name to a banknote. And I love the fact that we're just saying, God, we see this door, we're going to walk through it, and we're just going to trust that whatever he's going to do, he's going to do. And friends, that's the journey we're on. And we're in a phase of a church that we have been left a legacy from four times generations that have given, given us a sample and a model of what it means to walk through in faith through a door. And they've done it. And you sit in a building, a place that represents that. And we know we can continue to do that. Let me just give you a couple perspectives here. So what we're, we're looking at as you walked into... Um, this area right here in the parking lot, we are going to add our children's space as primary. It's our first phase. We want to do full, uh, our children's space is important to us. We're growing. We'd love to see our Wednesday night grow from 300 to 600. We'd love to have more space for families to be able to bring their kids to uh, and get them discipled. We also are going to though build our care center. It's down by the youth area. We want to build that out. Our kids are important, and the care center is critical. We feel like we want to still be that place 
where people can come, whether it's a Christmas store or groceries or just help. We want to create a new entry. Uh, in July, the village, if we've been meeting with them for a couple years now about this project, and they're building the village across the street, by the way, because they said we're the heartbeat and we're going to be working more together. They are paying for, what did I say? They are paying for the roundabout that's going to go in in our entrance in July. Well, I said they are paying for it, but I want to thank you because you paid for it in Howard Swamica, so thank you. Um, <laughs> some are clapping about that, some are not. Um, the reason that's really good for us is it's going to create a front road entrance for us to, to make our church more accessible, and we're excited about that. We're going to change the way you walk in, a little bit more friendly, some places covered. We also want to build out the coffee house and a place for people to go, and a place that really, quite frankly, that people can grow, and we just feel passionate about this. Last, in, some, in the future of our plans will be to see the possibility of us pulling off this field house and you know, there's, we have a grant writer we've employed, and we begin working on processes that way, and it's crazy the grants available for soccer. I just got to say it's crazy in our world today. So we're excited about some of those possibilities. Again, I'm saying debt-free. And this is the door that God's been opening to us, and we're excited about it. Now, let me just finish with this. As we were meeting with the village, one conversation popped up and said, Troy, we'd like you to sell the front property to us. Um, so that we can develop retail? Or would you develop it? Well, being kind of a fitness guy myself, I said, cool, Trader Joe's or Whole Foods, right? How do we lure them in? Oh yeah, everybody would be here. Like, you guys had the same reaction as me. Uh, but we've been having a lot of these private vision sessions and it was um, someone who came that's a part of the Midwest uh, athletes with children with cancer and just threw an idea and said, what if in Green Bay we could have a small clinic that would be able to, to help kids that have cancer or kids that need dental care or training for families that need help with kids? Friends, I could tell you it did probably what's doing to you right now, put chills. We said that, that we would love. Now, what we are campaigning for, we're not even planning on that because it's such a mind-boggling concept. And so we met with some of the VPs from Children's Hospital in Milwaukee. There is tons of conversations to have happen. We don't even know where that's heading. But can I tell you, those are things to be praying about, about what's God doing. Changing the way we think, Michael just said it, about what we believe. We believe we're called to bring the hope of Christ to people in need. If our property could be used that way, I'm in. We're in. And this hasn't been an easy journey for us as elders, as staff, working through all of this, because couldn't we say, well, let's just, let's just give all that money away that we'd raise to do something else. We could. Let's just sell it all then and do that. And some churches do. But we've been trying to answer the question, why do we have this place? That's where we're at. And so it's with that that this is our first phase, and we want to invite you. There's going to be some breakouts that we'll tell you a little more about at the end, and we could tell you more some of the the inward kind of detail and all that, but really it's to, it's to seize the opportunity. These doors of opportunity and the X's that you have on your floor, on the floors all over this place, as you see them, as you leave here, represent what? God using this place. Now we were joking, we said we should probably all take red tape and then like start placing this in places around the city because he uses other places, right? 
So I could like sneak into Kavarna and like start putting red tape on the floor, right? And you would just smile as you walked in going, yep. And maybe we should. Because God uses places through the gift of of people that have been changed by him. And friends, we're just embracing what he's given us. That's it. As we go into communion time, my challenge to you as a church, because I've not told you amounts, I've not told you the huge vision, I've told you parts of it, because we want to invite you to begin to pray because your heart has to be called to the opportunity and the door. And so as Jesus did the same for you and I, he entered a door that had to be scary. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, Lord, is there another way to do this? Because that door is scary. Jesus says this. The Son of God is nervous. He continues in prayer and he says, not my will, yours. We're praying for 42 days as a church. March 22nd, we're going to come back. You have commitment cards, you have a brochure. You're going to hear more about that, but it's all to say, friends, God doesn't want your money. He He wants your heart. And he wants you to trust him in the doors of opportunity. And I don't know how God's going to do this. I don't. We start talking about medical facilities and stuff, I'm like, whoa. But I can tell you, that there were four other generations of people that said the same thing about facilities and changes that Green Bay Community Church has taken and God has blessed. And friends, hear it again. I'm gonna say it and our elders believe it. We exist to go and make disciples. And we're gonna use everything we have to do that. So as you go to communion, will you be invited in to that call to begin to pray about the same in your life? Father, we thank you for the chance that people took opportunities in our life, that they seized it to invest in us. And God, might we begin to see clearly the opportunities before us. Teach us to be a church that is crazy. Crazy in faith, crazy in love with the world, and pursuing those who are lost and don't know you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.